Well, we are, uh, we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you, can, you can turn there, and uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've noticed that allergy season is back. Anybody, anybody there with me? Right? Your, your eyes and your nose are running and your throat is dry. I don't know how that gets turned around during allergy season, but uh, uh, that's, 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 where we're, that's where we seem to be. Um, I've noticed, though, and I'm sure you have too, that every, every culture mar- marks certain days where they remember the past, right? Uh, obviously, as, a, as Americans, we, we remember Independence Day, the 4th of July, uh, the founding of our nation. We, we, we set aside in uh, the end of May Memorial Day to remember uh, those who've given their lives in the service of their country. Um, of course, as Christians, we celebrate Christmas and Easter. Of course, our nation does too, but uh, events that we don't want to forget. We don't ever want to forget that Jesus Christ came humbly into the world as a baby. And of course, we don't ever want to forget, as we celebrated last week, uh, that he died on the cross for our sins and that he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. There's things that we, we don't ever want to forget. And this morning, we're going to look at a, a, uh, a day that the people of Israel never wanted to forget. And um, if, you have, if you've got kids here this morning, uh, I think five or six to 12 years old, and want to go to children's church, they are, just saw them go into the dining hall. So if you missed that, it's not too late. You, could, uh, you can join, them, join Pastor Daryl back there. Um, people of Israel today even still celebrate the Passover uh, with, uh, they would call it a, a Seder meal. Um, and this is to commemorate when God brought his people, the people of Israel, uh, from slavery in Egypt where they were in bondage and they served the Egyptians and they brought them, he brought them to freedom. And, and the Lord said, you're going to mark this day uh, so that you never forget what I did for you on this day. And so uh, Passover, it's a week-long celebration. Uh, I believe the Passover meal this year would have been celebrated on March the 27th. Uh, but this morning, we're, we don't wanna, we're not going to focus so much on what does that look like today, but why did God institute the Passover celebration? And so that's going to take us back into uh, the book of Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to open our time with a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning, we just want to have better understanding of, of your word, better understanding of this, um, this, this purpose that you created the world, and, and why did you give us your word? And it's all pointing towards Jesus and his work on the cross. And, and Lord, the Passover celebration is no exception to that. And so as we look at that, this this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd just open our eyes to this bigger picture of, of Jesus as the Passover lamb. Uh, Lord, would you just uh, allow us to see this this morning and how uh, your word just ties together. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as we read through the book of Genesis, uh, from the creation of the world, we see that God uh, calls out a, a particular family with, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, and as you work through the book of, of Genesis, we read the story of Joseph and how his brothers sold him into slavery in, in, uh, and Joseph ended up in Egypt. And it turned out to be a good thing because of the famine in the land. Uh, Joseph's family was saved and, and there was, uh, uh, it was just God, the providence of God was at work all through that family's life. And so um, at Joseph's death, 
or before his death, he brought his family to live with him in Egypt. So the, this family of, of Israel was about 70 people. This is, if, if you were reading the, the last chapters of Genesis, you're t- we're looking at this family. Well, then you flip over into Exodus, and all of a sudden it's 400 years later, and this family of 70 has grown to possibly up to a million people. And so over this time, God's blessed this, this people. And during the early years, uh, as this family grew, they had favor in Egypt because uh, Joseph, one of the patriarchs, he was the one that uh, had made plans with Pharaoh and and created the storehouses and and set food aside so that during the seven years of famine, the people didn't perish, they had food to eat. And so they had great favor with the people of Egypt. Um, But over time, uh, especially as the people of Israel grew, the people of Egypt started to feel threatened and thought, man, these guys are powerful, these guys are strong, there's so many of them, and so uh, the Egyptians began to oppress the, the Israelites. They were put to work, and the scripture says they built the store cities of uh, Pithom and, and uh, Ramses. And so it got so bad to the point that Pharaoh said one day, we're gonna kill all the, the Jewish baby boys so that, so that we prevent them from be, be get, becoming any stronger than they already were. And so it was, a, it was a terrible place to be if you were an Israelite, the land of Egypt, uh, during these years. And we read, we read it, um, we'll look at Exodus chapter 2 just for a couple of verses, and we're going to look at Exodus 12 mostly this morning. But Exodus 2.23 says, during those days, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. This is from when Joseph uh, was first there. And it says, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. And I I love that that last uh, part there. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So the question is, well, what did God know? Well, he, he knew everything. He, he knew what they, what they dreamed of, what their hopes and their aspirations were. He knew, um, he, he knew about the injustice that they suffered. He knew of the oppression that they dealt with. He knew of the harsh conditions that they had to uh, work in every day. Uh, he knew how much they could bear. He, he knew where they fell short and where they sinned and where their attitudes were bad. But he also, this verse says, he remembered that he had made a covenant with their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when I, I read this verse, I think, man, I know that in our congregation, there's people, we're, some of us are dealing with some difficult things. Uh, I know some of you have lost employment. Others of you, for the life of you, cannot find somebody to work for you. Uh, some people have lost loved ones. We mentioned the Olmstead family this morning and uh, May Penland, and we mentioned uh, we've been praying for, for the Webb family. Lost loved ones, and it seems like, man, some of these just too soon. Dealing with uh, relational issues. Uh, we've talked of um, Russ Hopple having to go to the, the nursing home and the difficulties that the, the Hopple family is going through with that. Health issues, Jay Fatma and Cindy. There, there's real things that we deal with, and the scripture says that when, when the people of Israel were dealing with their difficulties, that they groaned and they cried out to the Father for help. 
And I just wanna encourage us this morning, God hears our prayers this morning. You know, whatever, whatever difficult situation you find yourself in, and you might not find yourself in a difficult situation, and, and what you're saying to the Father is praise and thanks and, and uh, just a heart of gratitude. And others are feel, just feeling, man, I'm just dealing with this hard thing. We can still call out to God. He wants us to cry out to him, and he still remembers the things that he's promised to us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. God is not going to leave us alone in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So whether we're praising him this morning or we're crying out to him for help, God is with us. He hears our cries. He wants us to tell him uh, what we're feeling, um, how it's affecting us. He wants us to ask him for wisdom and for discernment and for guidance. Ask him to lead us like he led the people of Israel and he'll hear us. So the people of Israel facing slavery, bondage, injustice, just a a daily reality that they were not being treated the way that they should be treated. And so they called out to God and God had an answer for them. And he appeared to Moses in the burning bush and he said to Moses, look, you are going to lead my people out of slavery. Uh, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God kind of gave him the brief overview of what was going to happen. Pharaoh was going to say no, but, but that uh, there would be plagues and that the people would be given their freedom. And so uh, we're going to pick up in that, in that narrative with the 10th and final plague this morning. And this will be coming in um, Exodus chapter 12. In chapter 11, God explains to Moses what's going to happen, uh, the, that there will, the angel of death is going to come and the firstborn of, of every family, the firstborn of every animal was going to be killed unless uh, the people were obedient to the, to the Lord. And, and so uh, God says, after this, Pharaoh's going to let you go. But these were the instructions to Moses and to the people in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each of you can eat you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its heads with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, 
and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And if we were to continue reading in the next five or six verses or so, uh, God gives the instructions on how they should remember this event year after year, year after year, what they should do, how they should celebrate it. Um, but if we, if we skip down to verse 21, we're going to sort of stay in that moment, what was actually happening uh, in, in that day of the, the first Passover. So Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, which is a, a, a plant, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. And he goes on, when you come to the land uh, that I've promised you, you'll keep it there. Verse 26, when the, your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Here's a wonderful verse. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. God gave them instructions and they said, okay, Lord, we're going we're gonna to do it. So, so just a, a, a summary, the final plague, the firstborn of every family, whether man or beast, was going to be struck down unless... They brought in a lamb, they sacrificed it, spread door, the blood on the doors. And so, uh, a, f a few things. The lamb was to be selected on the 10th day of the first month of the year. This was such an important event that God said to him, we're, 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 uh, we're adjusting the calendar. This is now going to be the first month of the year. This is important. This is now going to be your first month of the year. Bring the lamb in. And Sarah, I don't know, she's trying to get me to bring a goat into the house all the time. She thinks this would be a good idea. But we're talking about a one-year-old lamb that's pretty much full size, maybe 100 pounds, maybe 120 pounds. Bring it into the house. Stay there until the 14th day of Nisan, where the lamb would be sacrificed. The blood, the, the hyssop branch, the, the plant would be dipped in the blood that night and the, the blood spread on the doorpost and, and across the lintel. It was to be roasted, it was to be eaten with unleavened bread and that was to signify if we were, if we were reading more and studying you know, more of the Passover this morning, the unleavened bread was to represent that it was eaten in haste. Uh, they weren't, they weren't uh, taking their time here. They were going to eat quickly and they were going to be ready to move because they believed the promise of God that, he, that Pharaoh was going about to let them go and they were prepared to leave Egypt. Uh, it was seasoned with the bitter herbs to remind them 
of the, the bitter time that they spent uh, all those years in the land of Egypt where they were treated poorly, where they were treated uh, unfairly. And uh, like I said, they were eaten with the anticipation that Pharaoh was about to let them go. They had their, their belt was on, their sandals were on, um, their staff was in hand. They were, they were eating it like they were just waiting for the phone call. All right, let's go. And they were going to uh, be out the door. So I think there's, 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 there's a lot we could study and there's a lot we can learn. There's two things that I, I want to pull from the Passover, particularly as we look forward to um, what Jesus did on the cross. And, the, and um, some of you may have heard this morning, we're going to do, I've told everybody, we're going to do communion this morning. We're also going to do communion next Sunday. Next Sunday, as we look at the Passover this morning, we're going to look a little more closely at communion uh, next week and just talk about why do we, why do we take communion and how the two are, are tied together. Um, and, and so two things I want to pull out of, uh, out of this. We could pull out a lot of things, but the first thing is that God judges sin. Exodus 12, 12 says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and this is why on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments, I am the Lord. God was showing through all of the plagues really, but especially this last plague, the Egyptian people during that time, I read probably had at least 2,000 gods, possibly more, a god for this and a god for that. And each plague that God um, uh, plagued the Egyptians with showed that his, he had power over any god of the Egyptians. And this last plague in particular would strike the firstborn son of Pharaoh. And so the, the father of the Egyptians' gods, was his name was Ra. And the people believed that Pharaoh uh, was a son of Ra. So whichever, whichever ruler they had, um, Pharaoh was not the, Pharaoh was a title, like king is a title. So the, the Pharaoh, whatever Pharaoh was sitting at that time, he was the son of Ra. And so to see um, his son killed that night would uh, be that sort of that final blow that God was striking against the gods of the Egyptians to say, I am the only true God. But it was a, it was a, a judgment against Pharaoh as well and the, and the Egyptian people who had unfairly um, just had the people of Israel in bondage all these years. We see when, when Moses had his very first interaction with Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5, um, it says, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast in the wilderness. This is Moses' uh, very first interaction with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Remember, Pharaoh thinks he's the son, he's the son of Ra, right? So he says, who's the Lord that I need to obey him? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And so because of, of Pharaoh's sin and the, and the Egyptian sins, they were being judged that night. But I think it's also a judgment against the people of Israel. Um, of course, Scripture in the New Testament teaches so clearly that we're all sinners, like there's no one that, that is free from sin, but very specifically, some of the people of Israel were worshiping the Egyptian gods. And we see much later after, after they had left and they'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they conquered the land of Canaan, 
And Joshua was kind of giving his closing address to the people of Israel. So maybe 60 years later or, or so, um, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So he's, Joshua, some 60 years later, people are still worshiping these, some of them are anyways, worshiping these Egyptian gods. And, and Joshua says, it's time to put these gods that your fathers worship when they were in Egypt. It's time to put them away. So not only, not only was this judgment of the, the death of the firstborn against the Egyptian gods, but it was against Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and the people of Israel. There's no one that escapes the judgment of God, and that includes us here today. So the instructions were clear. God provided a way. Put, bring in the lamb, sacrifice the lamb at twilight, put the blood on the doors, and you will be passed over. So God judges sin, but God also provided a way. Scripture that tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God told the prophet Malachi, he said, I am the Lord, I do not change. Just as God judged the sin of the people where we're reading here in Exodus chapter 12, he judges our sin today too. He, he, knows, he knows where we fall short. He knows where we struggle. He knows where um, we fall short of the glory of God. He knows it. He sees it. And because he doesn't change, he still judges sin today. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. That's That's a grim message. But God also provides a way. He provided a way for the people of Israel. He provides a way for us today. So here in, in, in Egypt, the, the blood of the lamb was required to appease God, to satisfy as the angel of death went over, if there was blood on the doorpost, he was satisfied and he moved on. If there was no blood on the doorpost, the firstborn son was killed. God made a promise to them and he, as, if we were to read the full account where um, the, the angel of death came, he killed them, there was wailing, Pharaoh went to Moses and said, please leave. Take whatever you want and get out of here. And it's a, it's a biblical principle that we see over and over again. Even the very first sin, Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned against God. They knew they sinned against God. They, they felt guilty. They felt ashamed. So they sewed fig leaves together. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen a fig leaf before. Uh, but if they're anything like the leaves here in the North Georgia mountains, after a few days, I don't think these, this fig leaf garments that they had made for themselves were probably very satisfactory. Uh, but God made a way for Adam and Eve, and God provided animal skins for them to wear. Now, Scripture doesn't say what kind of animal God killed so that Adam and Eve would have, but quite possibly a lamb. Possibly one lamb for Adam and one lamb for Eve so that they would have uh, close to her. God covered Adam and Eve through the death of an animal. And so as we read through the scripture, we see uh, the account of Adam and Eve. We see the account of Cain and Abel. We see the account of Abraham and Isaac. We see now the account here of, of the people of Israel. All, all of them in sin 
and an animal sacrifice to cover their sin. Judgment was necessary, consequences were necessary, but salvation was also available through God's grace and his mercy. The people of Israel were a chosen people. They were, they were set apart. They had God's blessing on them. God had promised Abraham that he would make them great and that his people would be a blessing to all people. And, and, and we see this uh, coming to fruition here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. When Pharaoh finally did let them go, it says a mixed multitude went up with them. And very much livestock, both flocks and, and, and herds. A mixed multitude. People saw that there was a true God, that he should be worshiped. And, and because of God's salvation for his people through the blood, a mixed multitude went up and, and went with them. And so as, we, as we're looking at this, we see that God judges sin, but God also provides a way. He provided the lamb he, that they sacrificed and the blood of the lamb saved the people of Israel, the firstborn sons. So we have this advantage of being able to look back on history. We read through the Bible. We see this over and over again. And, and we see that the, the, the blood of the lamb was put on the doors. The angel of death passed over. And that the freedom that they got, what kind of freedom did they receive that day? No more bondage, no more slavery. Uh, you know, sort of like a political and economic freedom. But Jesus, he went to the cross. He was the Lamb of God. He went to the cross and he died, not to give us political freedom, economic freedom, but to give us freedom from sin and from death. The Passover is just a picture of what Jesus would do for us, how he would save our souls. Uh, the, the, the Passover pictures that. And we'll, we're gonna look at the at, at the. Um, Jesus' death and, and communion and, and how he, he, he moved from Passover to communion um, more next week. But just a few verses that I want to look at this morning. Uh, in John chapter 1, when Jesus came to be baptized, John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We can look back now and see how perfectly that fits into the Passover. I'm, I, I'm sure that a lot of people missed that when John the Baptist said it, but some of them would have got it. He wasn't a, a one-year-old lamb. He was free of, of defects. He was perfect. He'd never sinned once. He was the son of God. And when Jesus died, it wasn't just the angel of death passing by. We were declared righteous. We were we were looked at, and, and despite the fact that we had sin, God looked at us and he saw the blood of Jesus and he gives us forgiveness and grace. And that's why, that's why we're here to sing this morning because God's worked in our lives. God has saved us from sin and from death. First John chapter four, verse 10, it says, "'In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word, uh, but it's, it, uh, it's tied to the Passover. So God, that night, he saw the blood on the doorpost and he was satisfied, he was appeased, and so he passed on. And when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus' blood ran, 
And when we say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, God looks at us and he sees Jesus and he sees Jesus' blood and he says, I'm satisfied, I'm appeased. And the wrath of God doesn't remain on us, but we are made children of God. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for you and for me, and God is satisfied in that. God is a God of love. God's a God of grace. God's a a God of mercy. But he's also a holy God. He's also a just God. He's also, um, uh, he is true to himself and, and sin cannot go unpunished. And the only way that God's justice and holiness and wrath can be reconciled with his love and his mercy and his grace is through Jesus' death on the cross. And and that's what we celebrated last week. Jesus came and he died for us, he rose again. And so as we look through the Bible, we see uh, stories like the Passover, stories like Adam and Eve, painting this picture of, of Jesus' sacrifice to come, what Jesus was going to do for us on the cross. We can't get away from the fact that, that God judges sin, but we also have to recognize that God provides a way for us to have a relationship with him. All of us have sinned and deserve the wrath of God, but the question is, have you believed this morning that God's also provided a way? I said earlier, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That verse continues, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he takes those sins away when we confess our sins. We say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. And, that, and the Passover, not just an Old Testament, it is an Old Testament story, speaking of a specific time and a certain set of events, but it's also painting this picture for us of what Jesus was to do for you and what Jesus was to do for me. So before we do communion this morning, um, why, don't, why don't I pray and then uh, deacons just be ready to hand out any more cups. If you're at home, just be ready to, we'll do communion together. Heavenly Father, Your word, Lord, is just so, so rich, uh, Lord, and it, it just it comes together in so many different ways to point us to you. And Lord, I know we just looked at it just for, for a minute this morning, this, this Passover, uh, this time in history when you came and you saved your people. And you saved them, Lord, because uh, they came to you uh, with a lamb. And they had sacrificed the lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost and you were satisfied. And Lord, we come to you this morning because of another lamb. We come to you through Jesus. Uh, we, Lord, we say, we're sinners too. We recognize that we, we, we've, done, we've done wrong. We deserve to be punished for our sins. But we recognize that you sent your son. You sent a lamb for us that wouldn't just uh, cover our sins, wouldn't just cause you to look the other way, but it takes away our sin, removes the guilt, removes the shame for those who put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here this morning that's never put their faith and trust in you, they'd say, God, I'm a sinner. I believe uh, that I deserve to be punished, but I also believe you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. 
no better day today if you're, if you're here this morning and, and have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to do that right now. And if, if that's a decision you, you need to make this morning, you can make it just as you sit there. Uh, you could come to someone at the front after the service. Uh, we'll have people here to pray and say, I need, to, I need to make things right with God. I need to make sure that when God looks at me, he sees his son and is satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus on my behalf. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you've, you've given us your word. Uh, you've, you've asked us to do things like take communion to remind us of what you did for us on the cross. And so, Lord, as we gather this morning to do that, Lord, I pray that we come with a thankful heart for what you've done for us. Uh, Lord, we come with a heart to confess our sins, recognizing uh, that that's why you came to pay for our sins. And Lord, you ask us to confess those things to you. Lord, I pray that as we um, take communion this morning, it's with great hope that one day we'll sit at the the banquet tables of heaven and eat with you again. Uh, Lord, I just ask that um, you be glorified in all that we do. Lord, that we would come to you with a thankful heart this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.